Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome back to Why This Film, the podcast where we reach back into your childhood, pluck out a movie, give it a rewatch, and have a chat about it. I'm Emily Slade, and welcome back. You watched it so many times before, and now you're gonna watch it again. But it's been so many years since you last saw it, and now you show it to your friends, and they're like, What? What am I watching? Why? The- what? Is what? This? Why? Why this film? And I'm joined again today by James. Hello. Hi, thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you for coming back. Um, very exciting stuff. You've chosen Pokemon the Movie 2000, which came mm. out kind of uh, disappointingly in 1999, according to IMDb. <laughs> uh, the IMD breakdown is Ash Ketchum must gather the three spheres of fire, ice and lightning in order to restore balance to the Orange Islands. What's your relationship with this movie? Well, Pokemon is something which has been a big part of my life since I was young. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was about six, my family moved to towns and it's always that scary thing of leaving behind all you know up to that point and all your friends. And the one thing I clung on to in that time was this little Pikachu plushie. And yeah, and I still got it. It's worn and torn but and faded. But yeah, it's got me through and it Pokemon helped me um Pokemon helped me form some friendships in primary school and it helped me um, form friendships in secondary school with people that are still my I'm still great friends with to this day oh that's so cool so Mm. why why Pokemon 2 why not Pokemon 1 well I did have both of them on video but I always preferred Pokemon Pokemon the movie 2000 I Maybe it's because it had a lot more legendary Pokemon, which I was like, oh yeah, it's so cool to see them. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe it was just because it didn't make me as sad at the end. <laughs> I, but that was just the one I kept watching and I considered my favourite for so long. And it was just, uh, the prospect of revisiting it was too good for me to pass up. Yeah, oh my God. So, um... As you know, I've I've done Pokemon 3 on this podcast before. It was a very, very early one that I did. And I can't remember it at all, if I'm honest. I don't think I was very kind to it. Um... No, you did not like it. <laughs> but I can't judge. I actually haven't seen that one. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to get straight into it. I, I mm-hmm. really liked this movie. I thought it was a really oh. solid movie. Um, oh, I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I never, like, if I'm at a pub quiz and there's a Pokemon Mm. question, you can probably rely on me to help you out a bit because the question's going to be fairly generic. And I'm going to, I can say Misty and Brock and know what I'm talking about and uh, I can sort of, sort of get far enough in like a a round of like name as many pokemon as you can um if i really think about it but it was never really i played the game boy game much later in my life when i was like at college when it was having a resurgence and then i never downloaded the pokemon go app like it was it's never really been something that i've been like oh yeah pokemon like let's fucking get into that as like a big hobby um but i really really love the concept and I really love that it's so popular. Um, and this movie is genuinely solid. There's a very clear budget there, a very mm. good story. Um, I think they got all of the, uh, I watched the English dub, and I think it's the same people that were doing the dub for the TV show. Yes, yeah, it was. They like to keep them together so fans would have some kind of continuity. Which so is they so wa- great. Yeah. Yeah, it is quite good that it um, gives if you were a fan at the time it gives you exactly what you know and love for better or worse in some cases i mean 
the Ash and Misty romance, they hint at it for so long in the anime and they end up doing nothing with it. Uh And bringing it over into the film just kind of highlights that it's just something that's left hanging in the air and keeping it in a film that's under 80 minutes just makes it feel like, okay, where's this going? And it goes nowhere in the film. Yeah, I have to say, the minute there was that sort of um, introduction of the warring women Mm -hmm. uh, and the jealous sort of nearly girlfriend, I was like, no, stop. You were doing so well. Please, come on. Stop, 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 stop. And it's not so bad. They sort of save themselves. Like at at the very start, we're introduced to this new female character who clearly has a crush on Ash and Misty's clearly jealous. And there's this whole sort of mini subplot if you will about these two women being like and it's more about as you say misty coming to terms with her feelings for ash if we can Mm -hmm. even call it that because it's very sort of shallow what's Mm. happening and um yeah (laughs) and uh it, it didn't go so far into the like two women competing for a man thing it's sort of melody who's this uh, woman on the island sort of is there to help Misty come out, as it were, about her emotions towards Ash. But even then, nothing comes of it so much. It's some throwaway weird jokes. And it didn't make me as angry as, like, it could have done. But I was still like, why is this here? We have such good stuff happening. This is boring more than anything in comparison. And I I get why they did it. to an extent but like it clearly they didn't even care about it they were just like we should probably do something with this no it just felt like something else which they were like oh add that in fans Mm. will love that and (laughs) it just i don't think it was needed i think yeah definitely completely agree (laughs) it was the only thing that i was really like no stop um i really liked the villain a really interesting uh, sort of, again, we don't get to know much about anyone because I think the main Mm. drive of this movie is the Pokemon and that's very obvious and that's really, that's completely fine. It's a Pokemon movie. Um, But he's really cool. He's sort of like, he's called the Collector and he's got a cool design and a cool airship and really evil motives because he it's very selfish where he's just sort of like i want to have these special pokemon for myself even though they're going to cause like climate change or whatever yeah he's ultimately just an instigator in it Mm. he just sows the seeds and makes them battle each other and then he just steps away and when it's an opportune moment to serve himself he'll come back in and and just try and get what he really wants. And it actually, even though they don't name him in the film, is I have to look it up. His name is Lawrence the Third. Oh wow! Because his ne- his accent isn't posh enough. He's got to be the third of his kind. <laughs> That's amazing. I can imagine as a kid, I don't suppose he was particularly like scary. Like mm. you weren't going to have like nightmares about him. Was he memorable as a villain when you were a kid? Honestly, the only thing I can remember about him was that his whole journey started off from this ancient Mew card, which <laughs> is probably the first instance of Pokemon cards being named in a franchise. Oh, that's which cool. is hmm. So it's a nice thing and it ties Okay, and thinking about it, it probably is a bit um how do I put this? It's probably a bit self-serving of the creators because th- when this, this film was in cinemas, you got the ancient Mew cards. Yeah, I have an ancient Mew card. So do I. Like, don't ask me how, but I, it, he brought it out at the end of the movie and he was like, this mm. all started with you, ancient Mew card. And I was like, what the hell? I've got one of them. <laughs> I don't oh. know. I think it, maybe it came in. And, maybe I did get it at the cinema. Maybe I got it in a cereal packet or something, but I've, I love it because it's shiny and it's, it's got... awesome. It's so different it. from the other cards. Yeah, but they're only like a couple quid off eBay now. So <laughs> yeah, they're hardly. I did. They're not at all like rare or or, or clever. They're just. I no. always really liked it because it was shimmery and it's got unlike. Fun. It's unlikely to make an evil collector start nowadays. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're probably looking at like an original Pokemon for that kind of thing. Um, look at me talking and... like I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. <laughs> I, it, do, it doesn't feel like I'm speaking alien now. It's... <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, um, I do know enough. My absolute favorite, 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 favorite thing about Pokemon is mm. Team Rocket. It's hands down oh, Team yeah. Rocket. And this movie does such a wonderful thing with them. As I say, I've not really, I've stuck the TV show on in the background before, but I've, I've never mm -hmm. like followed it. I can't tell you the like mythos and backstory as I could for something like Avatar. Um, but I love Team Rocket. I had to, I had to message my friend halfway through because there's, a joke where because team rocket they're anything between like 16 and 30 right like, how old are they i think it's i don't know if it's addressed in the show but i think i read they're meant to be about 25 that makes sense which is really mm. fucking cool because there's like 12 year olds and then these like couple of weird 25 year olds hanging around like hey what's up <laughs> um i really love that and i messaged my friend and i was like are they related are they like brother and sister because there's a joke that if they are that was an incest joke and i didn't understand it and i was like whoa 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 what is going on and she was like no i don't think they're related i think like jesse comes from an aristocratic family that he ran away from and uh oh no sorry james comes from a, an aristocratic family and then jesse uh is like someone else uh, it's a randomer um daughter of a no. no your friend got it right they're not related they're <laughs> just thrust together to their whole goal is to capture Pikachu because their Aww. first meeting with Ash, Pikachu wiped them out and they're like, oh, this Pikachu's stronger than anything we've ever faced. Let's capture it. Nice. And that's been their goal for 20 years now. I love it. One day, hopefully they'll uh, succeed. I really dig oh, that. Oh, no. Pikachu. <laughs> they're so fun. They're such fun. <laughs> and they, they put a little twist on their little like um, entrance poem where they were like, we're on the big screen. And fucking meowth my god what a gem i would die for meowth i think he she meowth is a he i believe meowth is a he um always has the last word mm. always hilarious um i have to where is it uh da -da -da -da. Right, so this movie is really wonderful to Team Rocket. They give them an opportunity to be good guys for once, where they, they sacrifice themselves as much as you can in a movie where nobody dies uh, for Ash to succeed. And I think that's really, really cool. And I assume immediately in the TV show they went back to trying to hunt down Pikachu and be evil and stuff. But um, right before they let go of the like Pokemon to help Ash because they're too heavy mm. and you can't fly away. Um, there's a brilliant sequence of dialogue where Jesse's like, we have to let go. We're too heavy. And James says, maybe we should try Weight Watchers. And Jesse says, it's too late for that. And Meowth says, I heard it's never too late if you really stick to the program. <laughs> I died. <laughs> that is so funny. And I didn't do it justice at all. And then they do a wonderful reference to Jungle to Jungle where they're like, we're gonna we're die, gonna die. <laughs> um and they're just so much fun every time they're on screen they look great they sound great and they're just so much fun and they're in this movie enough as well that they make sense to be there and they have a whole arc themselves um and it's really cool so there's not really an antagonist in the way that you would think there would be in like a kids animated movie mm. um because you the, the collector as you say is more sort of they're just fucking shit up as opposed to like actually trying to hurt anyone would you argue this movie is about climate change i was wondering that it's it is essentially ash and co trying to fight against the elements rather than an actual villain they can just have pikachu electrocute in the <laughs> face and move on um as for an actual climate change message um maybe if there's a there's enough work you can find a climate change message in there but if there is i'm it's lost on me yeah 
yeah when it first started i was like "Ooh, is this gonna have like kind of fern gully vibes but it's nowhere near on the nose as <laughs> those classic 90s like save the rainforest kind of things um but there is a i think you're right i think if someone wanted to find a climate change message in there they could do it um but it's very much buried and you would have to sort of think about tying stuff together but it it reminded me of climate change so i'm just like um, you know that counts that's a good start. <laughs> That's a good start. Um, is the, what's it called? Lu- I want to call it Lugia? Luigi. That's the one. I was like, the Luigi? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's brother Mario. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's like part of the air and this one's in the ocean. Is it a, uh, I don't know really how Pokemon work in terms of their levels. You talked about legendary Pokemon. So is, yeah. is that, um, are the four that we, so you had the Earth, air lightning and water i believe um were they in the cards were they in the show were they introduced for this movie were they invented for this movie do you do you know um they were all not none of them were invented for the movie they were all um they were all already in the game already in the cards i think they might have been introduced in the show but i'm not 100 percent certain on that but a lot of these the Pokemon films are pretty much ways to get Ash and Co to encounter a new legendary Pokemon you could uh, try and catch in the games. Oh, but, nice. Mm, the thing with the legendaries is, like in the games and the show, they're one of a kind. It's if you want to catch them all, you have to catch that one or that's it. You'll never complete the Pokedex. Oh, my but, God. Mm, but the difference between the games and the anime, I find, is... In the anime, it's in no in the games. It lives up to that "gotta catch them all" motto a lot more. Mm. But in the anime, these legendary Pokemon, everyone knows they're the only ones. So they treat them more like rare endangered species. So oh. it's like we love to see them, but we shouldn't catch them. We should let them be and <gasps> live their lives. Whereas then you've got the collector coming in, who's just all, right. I want to catch them and display them like they're a Michelangelo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that that does like make a bit more sense now. Um, yeah, because I was a bit sort of like, I, I was taken aback with, um, oh, yeah, let's do it. Let's get into the like ethics behind Pokemon because okay. when uh, there's one point where the collector's like, uh, Misty turns, or Melody, one of them turns to the collector and she's like, you treat Pokemon like they're just things to collect it's like so do so do you misty like you're holding one right now that like is yours that you've assumed taken off the street because i didn't realize at the beginning you see lots of the are they magikarp is that a thing did i make that up um the little red fishies yeah yeah that's magikarp yes um they're all you got it <laughs> i'm gonna screw it up now and then there's ones in the Don't sky they're like brown Bird ones. That are spa- oh, the sparrow. Pe- oh, sp- oh, yeah, no, I've got no Peaches. idea what they're called. That's Spiros it. Spiros are... Um, ru- uh, Spiros are of the same generation. It's ah. easy to get mixed up, so don't feel bad about that. Yes! But yeah, there was tons of them, like a bunch like flying through the sky and a bunch like mm. swimming in the sea. And I was like, oh, I always thought there was like one of every Pokemon, which doesn't even make sense now I think about it, because you could you could fight the same Pokemon against each other sometimes in the game. You'd, mm-hmm. you'd be like, you've got an Abra and they've got an Abra. Uh, Mr. Mime is weird. What's going on there? What is that? What's that <laughs> what? about? The one with um, Ash's mum. Who I didn't realise was Ash's mum. I was like, who's this young <laughs> woman who's like the same age as Jesse and James? And then later on, it's like, hi, I'm your mom and you're my hero, Ash. And I was like, oh my God, you're like 20. <laughs> what is going on with that design? Um, oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but what is it you want to know about Mr. Mime? Yeah, what the hell is it? <laughs> like, why is um, it hanging out with Ash's mum as like a servant? Oh, in the anime, I oh, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but I do recall Ash helping the Mr. Mime, and it bonded with Ash's mum. So it, <laughs> I think it's less of a pet and a servant and more of just a roommate for ash's mom oh okay that's cool is there just one mr mime uh no um no mr mime there's plentiful of them oh, okay so it's not like ash's mom is 
has this one rare Pokemon yeah. and is making it sweep up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Because then a bunch of are they Diglets? Is that what they're yeah, called? Yeah, the, the little poo yeah, ones. Yeah, look at me going. Yeah, yeah, the cute <laughs> little poops with eyes. Um, a bunch of them ran past, and again, so I was thinking, oh, is there just one Mr. Mime? I, that's it, because everything else sort of makes sense aesthetically. You've got, that looks like a bird, and that looks like a fish, and even they could arguably look like little molehills, um, or like little just creatures in the underground. Casually stealing bikes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but Mr. Mime looks like an almost alien in comparison to the other Pokemon designs. And I think once you get past the original, because there was like 150 original Pokemon, is that right? Yeah, in the first game. But and then... then they made a bunch more. And I remember the designs of some new ones coming out. Ra mm -hmm. I want to say around when Pokemon Go was coming out because people were talking about it. And I remember people being quite angry because they all looked like ugly and weird um, in comparison oh. to the like clever designs of the original. Yeah, that's a common complaint, I find. <laughs> yeah. But then you go back to the original 150 and you're like, purple rat, yeah. brown bird. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's, oh, sure, that's intuitive. Good. Yeah. I think it's just because we're all used to it now and it's uh, all uh, in our minds, as it were. Nostalgia as well. That's it. Um, so is it ethically what is the fight like morals behind capturing and training these animals to fight each other because isn't that and i don't want to go too much into the first movie mm -hmm. isn't that the whole point at the end of the first movie that they look at the violence that they sort of do where they fight each other and they're like no we shouldn't do this oh you've opened up something <laughs> oh no um, I can no put it no it it's okay it's okay um basically with the first movie it's you've got this legendary pokemon mewtwo who's mm -hmm. A clone of an of another Pokemon. Ooh. So he makes his own, kidnaps a load of Pokemon and makes clones of them. Oh. And the whole thing is he wants to prove we're clones, we're better than you. And something must have got lost in translation because the original Japanese, the message was these clones have just as much rights as the original. And when it came over to the US, it became fighting. Oh bad. God. What yeah. Is that? <laughs> Not even surprising. Japan yeah, so... are like, here is this sweet and thoughtful message that's important to, to the children learn, and America is like, let's have all the Pokemon fight each other. The kids will love that. <laughs> they even have a song playing over when Ash sees all the battling, which is just about peace and let's not fight. It's oh it's heavy-handed, but it's also a bit of a bop. <laughs> I have to say, this lived up to the 90s slash early 2000s. One of my favorite parts of every animated movie that came out in that era, it had a fucking banging credit song. Like it legitimately, it has, it has Donna Summer, mm -hmm. singer of Hot Stuff, singing this song called The Power of One. And I was like, this is brilliant. This is like... This is a jam. This is great. And then it had uh, another song for a bit, like more of a sort of creditsy song. And then it had Flying Without Wings. <laughs> oh, yeah, Westlife. <laughs> I was like, this is great. <laughs> the soundtrack to this movie is great. And it is lovely, though. I know they changed it from the original Japanese music, mm. but the. Oh, God. La Luga? La, La, La... Lugia. Lugia has its yeah. own, like, special, like, ooh, I'm a Loch Ness Monster song, um, which is really lovely. And then she plays it on the, like, shell, which is really nice. So mm. I think all the music's really, really cool. Like, it's just, you know, it's not groundbreaking, but it's like, <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love that kind of stuff. It's funny. I've watched this so many times as a kid, and it's only now where I actually sit through the credits where I realise, oh, my God. Westlife's playing Weird Al Yankovic? Yeah. What is this timeline? Yeah. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Um, there's like credits. Because what's really lovely about Japanese movies, Studio Ghibli, Ghibli do this a lot as well, mm -hmm. where they sort of continue the story through the credits. Like when an American movie finishes, you know, early Pixar would have done fake bloopers halfway through. You might get a, a mid or end credit sequence in some, some movies. Um, but they literally, like, the screen doesn't go black like it does in the West. It 
continues and we see people nothing major nothing like important plot points but we see the journey carry on we see them like leave the island and we see them go back home and we see them finish up their festival and stuff and it's the same in like whisper of the heart does it it's just one solid shot while the credits are rolling but you see all these people's journeys carrying on and like what they're getting up to five minutes after the credits started rolling and I always think that's really really lovely because the story hasn't ended even though the movie has and it's just really nice and I wish we did it over here in the west more. No it is a lovely um, addition and they did it with the first movie as well where you see the characters it's yeah nothing groundbreaking but it's lovely to just see these characters having another adventure even if it's just going and exploring. Yeah. And it's it's a lovely way to continue on. And also it's a good way to get people to sit through the credits. Yeah, yeah. such a good point. Cause mm. I mean, the amount of animators names that were coming up and I, I was genuinely, I, I don't know why I was expecting it to be bad, but I was really pleasantly surprised with the uh, quality of the animation of the movie. Like it, especially uh, the sort of layered CGI that they did for the ship and for some of the like, w was it a Pokedex that he had in his ship that showed what creature he was going to get next? Because the animation was slightly different. I think that was just meant to be one of those um, smart computers, which oh. answers his every beck and whim. Nice. <laughs> mm. Um, but it, it was really nice. It was really pretty animation. There were some really lovely hand-drawn scenes of like the island and the sea and and it was um, The action scenes were really well animated as well. I found them really like fun to watch um, It was really cool and it didn't It was seamless. Yeah, it really was and it didn't do that sort of Because um... I know uh, Avatar is both western and eastern inspired animation and sometimes mm -hmm. they'll fall into that thing of uh the the exaggerated faces like if you watch one piece you you see oh, yeah. like the big faces with the like hearts on their eyes and stuff and this movie didn't really do that sort of thing so i don't know if it's a certain age group that they start doing that for but it it was very grounded in that sense it was very sort of like okay there are pokemon but like it's the world and like it's normal like it's mm. fine and like these are normal people it is worth saying they do tap into the exaggerated faces especially with i don't know if you remember from the third film but brock who's used to be with who was with ash and misty in that film yeah oh, he, okay. he always did that um can i ask what did you think of tracy the replacement for brock in this film yeah that did throw me um I liked her. I mean, she was she was sort of a a nothing character, but as a nothing character, she had a really cool design, and she was a woman, and she like uh, drove her own boat. I was like, this is cool. Why? Oh, not not that one. I oh, meant um, one. the one with the headband and the green top, who's always sketching. Oh my god, who's that? He had <laughs> um, like three oh. Pokemon: a Cipher and a Marrow and a Venonat. Oh. Oh, yeah, because there was her that drove the boat and then there was him hmm. that like hung out with them the whole time. Yeah. Well, I mean, that sort of sums up he made an <laughs> impact on me at all. Why was he replaced? Why was Brock replaced? Because Brock did a oh, movie. It's a, it's a hell of a story. Um, okay, so when okay, when Pokemon was about to come over to Western audiences, I believe they were going from the Kanto region, the first region, to the Orange Islands, mm -hmm. which was an entire, in Japan, Orange Islands was where they were at in this film. Mm -hmm. And in an interview with a former Pokemon anime director, uh, what's his name? Masamitsu Hidaka, hopefully I haven't butchered that. <laughs> um, he stated that Tracy exists because the creators were worried Brock would be received by Western audiences as a racist stereotype because of his design and his eyes. But then what happened was, so what they did was they made Tracy, who was a tall white man, to take over Brock's role and mm -hmm. say, had Brock go bye-bye. But audiences didn't care. They just wondered, where is Brock? So uh. after a season, Tracy fucked off and Brock came back and Tracy barely seen again and nobody seems to care <laughs> that's so bizarre because 
was Brock in the first movie? Yes, he was. Yeah. So, and were there complaints about his aesthetic? Because not that I can see. I've had a look, and I, it doesn't even seem to be that one where you get articles buried deep where people yeah. like to talk about this problematic thing. Yeah, because nobody never... seemed to care. No, that's really interesting that you would say that because that's usually I'm like each to their own, you know, all these people that are like flipping tables about be people being too snowflakey and PC and it's like half mm. the time it's justified and you're like, no, 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 that is racist. You're just being a dick about it. Um, but I can't, like racist towards whom? I think what they were worried is the way Brock was drawn because... If you recall, his eyes were his just eyes two just... lines. Right, so that's sort of like a Tintin animated, like racist interpretation mm. of the sort of slant eye. Yeah, I think they were worried it'd be I received in such a way. I kind of get that, but I like it's so... Uh, it always, to me, looked like they were his eyebrows and his eyes were so small that they were like hidden under his eyebrows. And I don't know if that's stupid, but... It was always just like the interesting way that we, I don't know, we always just sort of took it as gospel and I've never looked mm. back on it as an adult and been like, oh my God, uh, I never even realised how bad that was. I've always just been like, that is Brock from Pokemon. Next. Mm. Um, that's really interesting. I, I, I mean, uh, people listening, if you think that Brock is problematically drawn, do tell us. Um, yeah, it's really, really mm. interesting. Why this film podcast really brings up nostalgia for most of us. And speaking of nostalgia, have you ever wondered what your mom was like before you were born? Have you ever asked her questions like, what were you afraid of as a kid? Or if you could choose your last words to me, mom, what would they be? These are big and small questions and ones you might not really think about until you can't ask them anymore. Hi, I'm Melissa, huge fan of Why This Film Podcast. And I'm bringing all this up because after losing my mom unexpectedly, I realized how many things about her life and opinions and our family I didn't know or just didn't remember. So instead of just sitting on my pity pot, I wrote a journaling book that I can fill out for my daughters and you and your mom can fill out. It's called Questions You'll Wish You Asked, a time capsule journal for mothers and daughters. The book is available on Amazon or you can call your local bookstore and ask them to order it for you. Ask those questions, write down your answers. Your future self will thank you, I promise. Um, and <laughs> yeah, Jay, Jay, what's his name? Jess, Jesse and James. No, the guy that replaced Brock. Oh, Tracy. Tracy. <laughs> I've already forgotten about him. <laughs> Literally. Um, yeah. If you were going to replace Brock, at least like do it with someone. I mean, they didn't need a third person really, did they? Because Not even really. without the, uh, romance subplot, if we can even call it that, what does he do? It's like, yeah, he's so pointless. Because especially because they introduced the girl with the boat and Melody, who also has her own boat. Mm. Even more useless. There are enough like side characters to be like, hey, we got this sorted. They this is their first appearance. Might be their only appearance, so but they were a lot more help than Tracy was, an established character. I mean, there was the point where Ash was using his Pokemon to try and break out Moltres, and Tracy's like, we can't give up, we gotta keep trying. And it's like, where's your Pokemon? Thank you, Tracy. Shut up. <laughs> Either help or be quiet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, Melody was active, and like, you know, as annoying as it was that the two women were like, ha ha, when you mm -hmm. marry him, I was like, oh my god, shut up. Like, there are lots of female characters in this movie, and it does not pass the Bechdel test, but it is, they're fine. They're all individual, you know, I can, I remember her name for one. So that's pretty decent. <laughs> Another person's name who I remember, who I love, probably my favorite character, the Slow King. Oh, Slow King. Yeah. Mate. I love him so much. He's like a little pink hippo with a funny skull hat on backwards. And he's got this like dooby 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 voice and he like we just cut to him every now and then while we're establishing stuff that's happening um it's very good at establishing i'm so used to watching bad movies that i'm always so pleasantly surprised again where i'm like huh 
I am following this plot and it's making sense and it's all tying into each other. It's very good. Um, and yeah, like, we'll just cut to him every now and then and he'll be like, something pessimistic, like a weird little Eeyore that's like a prophetic. I can use pants. <laughs> it's so good. And then he finally meets Ash and he's like, hi there, Ash Ketchum. And Ash is like, whoa, how do you know my name? <laughs> Which, um, leads us into the chosen one narrative that we need to delve into but oh, yeah, yeah i love the sloking i thought he was a brilliant little addition and it's interesting he's talking this is the thing i was gonna mention that as well because meowth talks and i googled it and it's because he's got a backstory where he teaches himself how to talk mm-hmm. um and the luiga Lug- Lugia. Lugia talk. Sorry to keep correcting you. No, do keep att- correcting me. I've literally, I was like, where is it? I've got it written down. Oh no, it's coming out of my mouth already. And I got it wrong. The Lugia talks, but without moving their mouth. It's more like a... a Telepathy. Yeah, that's the word. I was like, mm. communication from the brain. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, telepathy with Ash, uh, which is fine because it's like a big old legendary Loch Ness monster Pokemon that's like, this is very mystical and it makes sense that I'm talking, I guess, because also it helps the plot. Um, and then the Slowking talks, just like a like a person. And he's just like, hey everyone, what's up? And there's no real reason for it to be happening, but I love it. <laughs> just because, why not? Just because. I love him. Is he in... The show is he in the comic? I think that is only a, a Slowking is an actual Pokemon you can get. You have to evolve him a special way, but you can get him in the cards, in the games, and but this specific Slowking is just on that island and stays there. Aww, I love him. The island is really cool. It's a really cool design. It's like this Stonehenge kind of vibe and they like light up. It was just a really nice mix of like ancient sort of mythology and uh, modern people coming together. It really worked. Um, the Chosen One narrative didn't work for me. Mm. It felt pasted on top. Like they kept referring to it and being like, Ash, you're the only one that can help. And it's like, why? Because it rhymes and has his name, a common (laughs) name. This is the thing. I mean, at one point he's like, well, I'm currently wishing my name was Tommy. So it wasn't (laughs) me that had to do this or something. And I was just like, you know, you don't have to do this. Like, I don't believe that you are the chosen one. Like, this is a very weak chosen one narrative where you're only been chosen because you're Ash Ketchum and this is a Pokemon movie. Like, it would have been cooler if, like, Misty had been chosen, or even Melody, at least then it makes sense because she's part of that tribe and civilization. Um, it's it's really, I'm not coming for this movie because they made Ash Ketchum <laughs> the main character, but I was just a bit like, oh, shut up. Like, stop, everyone stop patting Ash Ketchum on the back, like, for doing the bare minimum. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> He's not that great. Is that controversial for me to say? Um, uh, probably not. I mean, uh, people have nostalgia for Ash, but they are quick to point out that he wants to be the very best. It's taken him a hell of a lot of time. <laughs> no matter how many years he stays at 10 years old, he's he's still got a lot of work to do. And mm-hmm. But it is always that, that part of Ash's who Ash is, that he's always willing to throw himself in there to help out. And so to me, it made sense that whether or not the prophecy um, specifically specifically mentioned him, he would try and um, get the birds to stop attacking each other. He would try and make and save the day. That's and true. he would try and cross over an icy lake with his Pokemon dragging him. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, regardless, even if it was like, Mister, you're the chosen one, Ash would be there being like, don't worry, everybody, I got this. Because he (laughs) just can't butt out. I thought it was nice having his mum come in at the end and be like, like, like classic mum vibes, but it was, it lasted like seven minutes of her just being like, young man, don't ever try and save the world without my permission again. Or if you are going to do it, do it closer to home because I love you. 
when I go to sleep at night, I, you're the only one that I care about, and I would die for you, and how could you possibly put me in so much worry, but I'm so glad that you're safe, and I was like, I get it, you're his mom, like, shut up, this is super embarrassing, I just saved the world, come on, my friends are here. I don't know, I didn't really, it lasted a very long time for something that, other than like, make sure that you always say that you love your mom. Every day you're my hero. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I was like, uh, did we need that? Did uh, we... <laughs> Like, oh, not only Ash, are you wonderful and brilliant and all the women love you and you save the day, your mom is incredibly supportive and will do anything for you. Aren't you just the fucking bee's knees, Ash Ketchum? He literally just pops up in the end with Professor Oak and Ivy, and then the professors are like, quick, we need to get back after climbing all those rocks down. Let's exit stage left quite sharpishly. Literally. It's like, well, that's done. Let's go. The credits are going to roll any minute now. Um, very funny. I loved the, uh, the never-ending story, Dus. Never-ending story? <laughs> yeah. I've right not the seen end. that. Oh man, okay, so spoilers for Never Ending Story. Uh, take right it. at the end, um, okay, at the end of the Never Ending Story, which is about a young boy that uh, is reading a book about a fantasy land that's dying. And in the book, there's another hero who's trying to save that fantasy land. But the two storylines kind of interconnect and you start to realize that the boy reading the book possibly has more of a stuff to do within the actual narrative of the story. Blah, 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 blah. He ends up <laughs> in the place at the end. And there's a there's a character called the Childlike Empress who <laughs> starts getting super meta. They're like, she's like, there's someone who can save us right now. Um, he's reading this very book. And Bastion's like, what? Oh my God, no, they can't be talking about me. I'm just reading this book. And suddenly this book is telling me about me. And she's like, He's all part of the never-ending story, and whilst he's reading our story, other people are following his. And you're like, wait, what? And she's like, they were with him when he ran from the bullies in the bookstore. And she starts explaining, like, the movie that you've been watching. And she turns to the camera and she's like, you're all part of the never-ending story. And you're like, oh, God, this little girl knows I'm watching a movie. And they do that in Pokemon 2000. Oh. They have the Slow King being like... Uh, some people do know that you're a hero. They're watching us right now. And he looks to camera and then Jesse and James looks to camera like, oh, okay. And you're like, ah! <laughs> I love it so much. Slow King was breaking down walls before Deadpool was over, I think. Literally! You keep your Deadpool. Slow King's breaking <laughs> that fourth wall. Him and the uh, childlike empress, like, bringing the meta to the... I uh, got nothing, but it's brilliant. <laughs> uh, really, really enjoyed that. Um, that's quite cool. But yeah, did you um, did you think it held up uh, to when you were a kid? Well, that would be a high bar. I mean, <laughs> I thought this was the, as you said, the bee's knees when I was mm -hmm. a young man, and I did have issues, of course, with um, Misty's never going nowhere romance and yeah. Tracy God forbid. <laughs> but I have been re-watching a few Pokemon films as of late and huh. and this one stood out among them as being one of the far better ones. One of the ones which does hold up a lot more outside of just pure nostalgia. I can believe that. It genuinely, it has a solid story that wraps itself up. It makes sense. It's interesting. I really loved just the, like, uh, congregating of Pokemon. Like, they were, like, rushing to the island to, to get there just in case they were, like, needed to help out because they're more in tune with nature and they know there's an Im imbalance and they, they all want to... But it was just really cool watching all of these Pokemon, like... Those that can make it by sky are heading through the air, and those that travel by sea are coming in their droves through the waves, and those that walk on the land are all congregating on the island nearest to the place. And I was just like, this is awesome! Look at all the Pokemon! This is really cool! 
so it still has that sort of and this is as someone that as i say like doesn't know pokemon so maybe if you did you'd be a bit more like um i think you'll find about it or <laughs> not as impressed because you're just like yeah it's just pokemon what do you want but i'm like it's really fun to see a world where these creatures exist alongside humans and they're part of the whole cycle of nature and it's and they're like literal monsters and like i don't know why some of them are called pocket monsters because some of them are literal like sea beasts but uh <laughs> they're adorable uh pocket monsters it's just uh well it's the expanded pokemon it yeah it doesn't really fit when you've got <laughs> lugia is technically a pocket monster who's pocket <laughs> god's pocket <laughs> But yeah. God is a Pokemon, actually. <laughs> that would be so good. Is God Mew? No, I'm I'm genuine. There oh, is God. a Pokemon who's pretty much God. It's not for a it? few generations. It's called Arceus. Um I'm literally googling it right now. Yep. Arceus. I'm I must see what it looks like. Bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a spiky white deer mm. with like gold tap shoes and a barbed wire on its stomach i love that you focused on the tap shoes they're adorable <laughs> see <laughs> if we cool. were made in that god's image we'd all be fine <laughs> we'd all be awesome we'd be spiky white deer that's really cool that's good i was like i'm not even gonna lie i was a bit like a god pokemon how good is that gonna look it looks awesome it looks legit awesome. Like it's not like a little diglet. It's it's like a legit like creature that's like powerful. And it's um it doesn't really look like anything. I, I say a deer, but like just it is its own beast. Yeah, which is really, really cool. Um and yeah, all of the designs of the Pokemon are really cool. They have a really fun opening sequence at the beginning of this movie where they're like uh testing out all of well, not testing out, I don't know if they're letting them out for fresh air. Like what's the inside of a Pokeball like? Is it like the genie's lamp where it's comfortable? That is something fans have been pondering for a while. I mean, there is one bit where as like the end of an episode you see just a Psyduck side up the dopey little yellow duck in a pokeball and it's just nothing oh, no. but but don't know if that's representative of it all um but then when pokemon go back to say professor oaks to stay there they're often let out their pokeballs just roam around the grass have fun with each other just eating and it's a lot more of a chill vibe there so it's not like I'll just put you in the back and you can stay there for 40 years until I need you. <laughs> Literally. And what does Professor Oak do with them all? Just looks after them until the trainers need them. Why do we need to... What? 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 What's a train? Because clearly these animals live just fine in the mm. wild. So is it like domesticating them or is it like capturing them? and making them fight against each other, like cockfighting? Um, oh, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> you know, like, what's the sort of, like, vibe here? Because when, when I thought they were, like, rare monsters that lived amongst humans, I was like, okay, maybe they're a threat, and you have to catch them and train them, and then they're fine. But it just looks like they're, like, fucking mice and rabbits and deer and foxes that are just chilling in the world and then people are like get in my ball and fight each <laughs> other and you're like jesus I'm just trying to eat some tree leave me alone <laughs> i mean i suppose it depends on the individual person but the whole thing with pokemon is yeah capturing them and making them fight i think it's more um it's not like i'm gonna fight you until you're dead and then kill you some more <laughs> it's more just like I suppose friendly wrestling or res friendly wrestling, but they got moves which are literally poison powder. Yeah, and it's not really fair making like a fox wrestle a snake or a fish wrestle a bear, uh, which sort of seems like the 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 differences between some of these Pokemon. But 
I'm sure plenty of people will come forward with justifications as to why that's okay, and I'm gonna pretend that when they're in the Pokeball, it's like a really decently budgeted zoo where the... Because if they're a Magikarp and you put them in a Pokeball, how do they live? Oh, that's the thing. How do they I live, mean... James? They're fish, they need water! You're putting them in a ball! <laughs> Technically, they can exist outside of water. Ooh. It's... Yeah, it's not like they have to be in water forever or they die. Oh, okay. I but... think it's the case of, similar to Harry Potter, that someone had a really cool idea and it kick-started and it was really cool. And everyone saw that it was really cool, so they expanded it. And by expanding mm. it, they started to suffer under their own coolness because they were like, we were never intending to like have to think about this properly. And like, this was just a really cool idea. And now <laughs> you're like, what do you mean technology doesn't work at Hogwarts? What if I'm a muggle-born and it's 2001 and I want to be able to Skype my mum and dad, but you're telling me that my laptop won't plug into the broadband that doesn't exist at Hogwarts? How am I going to send them a fucking owl? They live in like fucking stains. Like, no, Dumbledore, sort it out. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, what do you mean I have to use a quill? I'm not going to use a quill. I've used a biro all my life. Like, what is this? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think about that kind of thing too much. No, it, that's fair. It's, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> but yeah, well, thank you so much. Um, I really, really enjoyed this. Uh, oh, I'm so glad you did. Yeah, much more than I think I enjoyed Pokemon 3. Uh, so it'd be interesting to go back and rewatch that one to see if I was just grumpy because I was like, nah, 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 Pokemon or whether it was a bad movie. So if you rewatch it, um, or if you watch it for the first time, then mm. uh, do let me know what you think of Pokemon 3. And I should I probably it. watch Pokemon 1, because I've never watched that either. But uh, <laughs> maybe we can come back on again and uh, do it. So then we're sort of going backwards in time, 3, 2, 1. Uh, I'd be up for that. <laughs> definitely, we'll put it in. Um, do you have anything to plug? Um, oh, yes, I do. Um can find you? Yes, well, the main place you can find me is my site, um, thereviewingrodders.co.uk, where I publish articles, and but it's mainly um, writing re film reviews about stuff which is brand new or little gems that I want to highlight. But I can also be found writing for, um, let's see, there's flyfidelity.co.uk, where I often post... Um, monthly retrospectives looking back on a film which is celebrating a birthday like five Aww. years of Mad Max Fury Road or 30 years of David Lynch's Wild at Heart and I try to do a good job so <laughs> fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, I also write reviews for snakebitereviews.weebly.com and then I also write for zobowithashotgun.com. <laughs> it's mainly reviews but nice. Uh, that's really, really awesome. Mm. Um, yeah, I read your review for uh, Host, is that what it was called? Yes. Oh, mm. God. That, not going to lie, that fucked me up. <laughs> I am so excited. We've added it to our Halloween uh, to make it a trilogy with Ghostwatch and mm. the Inside Number 9 special because it was recommended somewhere that you that you do that. And uh, I'm very, very excited to watch it because I saw it advertised. And I was like, that looks shit. And then, like, the reviews started coming out and everyone was like, no, seriously. Like, watch this with the lights on and not on your laptop. Because um, oh. I was like, oh, a Zoom, a Zoom movie coming out of lockdown. <laughs> no one had that idea. Because obviously in, uh, I'm in the acting industry and, like, everyone, mm -hmm. every day, their parents were like, I know that your acting jobs have dried up, but why don't you write a movie that's based about lockdown and record it on Zoom? And everyone was like, oh, well, yeah, why don't I just do that? Um, but some people did do that. But, but people that had a platform that were able to get it out there and do it well. So I'm very excited to watch it. They literally had to direct actors how to apply their makeup over Zoom. and That's it's... so cool. I mean, yes. It's great that the movie's really good as well because it's got mm. this whole behind-the-scenes-ness of it that's so unique, uh, one of the first of its kind. And um, you might think twice about using Zoom after watching Oh, it. no! <laughs> I love Zoom! <laughs> no! I am genuinely, I mean, I, I've messaged my friend and I was like, maybe we should watch it over Zoom. 
but I don't. Oh my god! I think I would be able to. I think it would be a really good idea right up until we press play, and then I would be like, nope. Well, I watch you on my laptop with headphones on, and I was just jumping out my skin, oh and by the end, god. I was just like, oh. Oh my god! I have to see it. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it for myself because I know if I don't watch it soon, I'm going to go Google what happens, and I don't want to. But I also no, know that's... I'm not going to be able to sleep. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, I hope you enjoy that. Thank you. Hope Thank it gives you, you nightmares. Uh, yeah, it almost definitely will. Ghostwatch still does, and I know everything oh, yes. that happens in it, and I watch it every year, and I'm still like, ah, bikes! So, <laughs> this definitely will. Um, yeah, I was but, yeah. listening to I was listening to an Evolution of Horror podcast about um, Ghostwatch, and they had a, just a clip of Pipes talking, and yeah. I just... Sh- started shivering in my car (laughs) in the sweltering heat and it was just like oh my god it's so cleverly done man it's so and that's another one with like controversial backstory and like unique sort of ideas and stuff and then for inside number nine to sort of do the vibe and i was at a q a a live q a with reese shearsmith and i brought it up i was like tell me about your insight number nine live episode because i really loved it were you trying to do a ghost watch and he was like no we never intended to do a ghost watch we never wanted to do a live episode we thought it was just shit idea but the bbc made us do it um <laughs> <laughs> but then they got to do what they got to do they were like they're never gonna let us use the like uh bbc screen holder things that are like we've got a problem but they then they did let them use them so they got to tell the story that they wanted to try out with and it i just thought it was fucking genius and i really really loved it um it was amazing yeah it's so cool the whispering that's what really got oh, me oh mate that bit when like she's trying she's like uh really sorry but there's a there, there's a there's a problem going <laughs> on with the hello and you're just like ah, she's dead she's so dead <laughs> Oh God, you're giving me flashbacks now. I know, sorry. It was that. It's really, really scary. And then when it gets into it, it sort of calms down a bit. But it's still really frightening and like um, terrifying at bits. But once you see the woman at the back of the, I mean, Rishis has said himself. He said it was a massive compliment that like seventy percent of the audience turned off because they were like, "This is shit. It's broken. Like we can't." fuck oh well guess i'll watch it at a later date and they all turned off and like my friend was watching it live i couldn't i couldn't watch it live i was too scared and, no i um, didn't no way because the timing was so perfect like the time on the thing was the same time like it was real it was happening and that added to such a thing and she was yeah. and she was like this can't i mean they've chosen the one episode that's like silent so like they can't possibly how could this i don't know Oh, and then like she saw something in the background of one of the shots and she turned to her friend and was like, did you see that? And the friend was like, no. And she was like, oh my God, oh my God, what is happening? What is happening? And then the figure appears at the window and she was like, oh, thank God. Okay, we're doing a thing. We're doing a thing. <laughs> <laughs> we're in the thing now. Here it comes. And when they tweet on that episode, they are yeah! actually live tweeting. Yes! So clever! And just Such really great... lovely things of like, oh, Mark in the in the league chat has said, uh, turn the TV on, you guys are on TV, and you can see like feet in the mirror. So clever, so clever stuff. Like just really simple, like just so brilliant. I love it so much. I love them so much. I want them on my podcast. If you're listening, that would be a dream. Appreciate <laughs> Smith. I love you. Um, but yeah, that was a yes host gonna watch host (laughs) awesome we get here thank you so much for coming on and i'm sure you'll be back on to do pokemon one Um, just say when and i'll be there where i'll do a lot more research into the ethics and morals behind (laughs) pokemon and the pokedex but uh thank you so much for coming on thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time on why this film bye why this film podcast has a patreon Patreon is a membership platform that makes it easy for artists and creators to get paid. Head to patreon.com forward slash why this film podcast and you can select a tier. For £3 a month, you can join Camelot and enjoy early access to episodes, including seasons one to three. You'll get to vote in polls and get a personal shout out on the pod. 
For £5 a month, you can join Fern Gully with instant access to everything from Camelot. Fern Gully members can also enjoy bonus content, live episode voting power, plus access to monthly movie night. Grab your popcorn and a drink of your choice as we pajama up and watch a movie together remotely. And for £10 a month, you can join the Enchanted Forest, where on top of everything from Camelot and Fern Gully, you can be part of a live episode where we all discuss a movie chosen by you. And if you're not into 80s and 90s animated tiers, you can skip all that and make a custom pledge of an amount that suits you. Or you can head over to co-fi.com forward slash why this film podcast and buy me a coffee with a one-off payment. We will be adding hot chocolate to that coffee and probably cream and marshmallows and sprinkles, but you don't need to worry about that. Thank you to all who donate, and thanks to my patron David for supporting this episode on Patreon. Why This Film Podcast is my happy place. I love chatting to guests and revisiting long-lost movies, and I hope you do too.